Hi there, and welcome to Feed That Nation. I'm a graduate student, I'm a future registered dietitian, I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. My goal here on Feed That Nation is to create content all about college life, college health, and college wellness with the goal of helping you, my fellow college students, to be more happy, healthy, successful, and confident in your student journey. I upload new podcasts to YouTube and to your favorite podcast listening platforms every Wednesday, and I upload vlogs every Saturday all about college life, my life, adventures, and pretty much whatever the heck else I come up with. Don't forget to subscribe if you are listening to me on YouTube or a podcast platform that you can subscribe on. Obviously, throw this video a thumbs up. If you're listening on a podcast platform, leave me a five-star review and a rating. Tell your friends about me. It helps me out so much. Come and join the nation as I've decided you all are called this community. Um, what else would I call you? Because nation, right? So <laughs> anyways, also definitely go ahead and check out my affiliate partner, Coconut Whisk. I have linked them below and they are a gluten-free, allergy-friendly, vegan baking mix company. Their products are so much fun. They're so good and honestly, I was so nervous to partner with an affiliate company for so long, but I'm so glad that I have. They're so fun to work with and I genuinely love their products. If you use my affiliate link below and you use my coupon code FeedThatNation, you get $3 off your order and I receive a small commission. So everybody wins in this scenario. Go check out Coconut Whisk. Before we get into this episode today, I want to, as per usual, give you my food, my follow, and my fun for the week. My food this week is something that my husband and I have been trying to make for a long time and we just never had the right combination of all the ingredients in the house at once, but we finally did it. We made stuffed shells and it was so good. We couldn't find ricotta cheese, so I swapped out some full fat cottage cheese instead and it turned out so wonderful. We got shells, we filled them with the cheese mixture, we covered the whole thing in tomato sauce, we baked it, more cheese, everything got so brown and bubbly and it was so good. Definitely go check it out. I would link the recipe below, but I didn't follow a recipe. Um, I tend to do that where I just kind of throw things into a bowl and hope it tastes good. And at this point in my nutrition career, I'm pretty good at guessing. So I don't unfortunately have a link for you to check out the recipe, but honestly, stuffed shells, it's pasta, it's sauce, it's cheese. It's, it's gonna taste good no matter what you do. So would recommend trying that out this week. My follow this week is my sister, Anna, who has her own earring company called Arnie's Earrings, and she makes handmade clay earrings, and she's so talented, and with the holidays coming up, if you're wanting to purchase from local artists to get gifts for friends, you should obviously go check her out, buy some earrings from her for your friends or for yourself. I will, of course, link her below, and I might be biased because she's my little sister, but she's so talented, she's so awesome. Go check out, show her some love. 
My fun this week is actually a little bit more of a self-care tip. Something I've been doing a lot this week is working in chunks of time or working in certain tasks. So I've been making a lot of my Christmas presents that I plan to give this year and sometimes with my learning disability, ha, related to the topic of this episode, I tend to just kind of get so focused into what I'm doing that I can't realize that time has passed and then all of a sudden it's been four hours and I didn't get anything else done today. So something I've been doing to sort of combat that time blindness and something that might help you out too whether or not you have a learning disability is to set timers. And one of my favorite ways to work is to do a 45 minute fun block followed by a 45 minute homework or task block. So, you know, I might do 45 minutes of crafting or sewing, working on these gifts, and then 45 minutes of homework. Then I take a little bit of a break and then I go back to the 45 45. This has been working for me lately. Sometimes I'll also work in a 25 minute homework block, 5 minute break or 20 minute homework, 10 minute break, just depending on how I'm feeling. Obviously, <laughs> I don't really wanna do homework these days because it's not as much fun being at home, being an online graduate student, but you do what you gotta do. And if working in time blocks is something that would be helpful to you, definitely go ahead and give it a try this week. So the topic for today's episode is going to be a little bit of a story time. I'm going to sort of flesh out, tell as many details as I possibly can, tell the story of how I accessed disability accommodations and how I use my disability accommodations as a graduate student with ADHD. And honestly, if you didn't know at this point, if you've been following my channel for a while, I have ADHD or ADD, depending on how you look at it. And this is a learning disability that I was diagnosed with at age 12 and only recently have I really sort of come into my own, you might say, with just kind of owning that part of me and acknowledging that because I learn differently, there are going to be different tools that can help me be successful and that's not a bad thing. And it's only really been this year and kind of last spring that I accessed uh, disability accommodations from the Disability Resources Center at my school. And so I wanted to sort of talk about what that process looked like for me. And hopefully if you are somebody who has been overwhelmed by this process, or if you are somebody who is wanting to get into this process of accessing accommodations for yourself, then I hope this video is helpful to you. So let's get started with the story. So I started to realize last fall into last spring, so my first two semesters of graduate school, that a lot of the things that my learning disability has caused me to struggle with weren't really getting better in graduate school and they were sort of getting worse and they were really affecting my self-confidence, my self-efficacy, and sort of just my ability to feel good about going to school. And specifically with my learning disability, I'm talking about my personal experiences and I definitely don't want to speak for any other people who have learning disabilities or other disabilities. So my experience is my experience. But the way my learning disability sort of impacts my day-to-day -day life is that I struggle with what you would call executive functioning skills. So tasks like simply going from A to B, working my way down a to-do list in order, doing things chronologically. Even this gets into also things like remembering to fill out forms and hand them in, or remembering deadlines, or things like that. 
and obviously all of these things are very very relevant and pertinent to being successful as a graduate student and feeling confident and healthy and happy as a graduate student and I was really struggling with all of that I would you know forget about assignments and then turn them in late or not turn them in at all I would forget about doing readings for in-class assignments or discussions I just started to feel really overwhelmed and like I would never be able to catch up and these feelings were not new to me I feel like I've had a lot of ADHD related school anxiety for most of my life I mean <laughs> Ever since we started getting homework and having deadlines to hand it in, I have been struggling with being able to do that since probably third or fourth grade was when all those struggles started and then I was diagnosed with ADHD as a sixth grader. And those struggles continued all throughout middle school, high school, undergrad. I just, for a long time, never really wanted to acknowledge that I had a learning disability. I always saw it as a bad thing. I was ashamed of it. I just told myself, you know what? There's nothing wrong with me, I'm fine. And then I kept on, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, when in reality I wasn't. And I had just so much school anxiety all throughout growing up and in college, you know, the fear of walking into class and realizing you have an exam that you didn't study for. Group projects were always very anxiety inducing because I feared forgetting something and letting my team down. Honestly, just feeling very ashamed and feeling like professors would think less of me because of how I was struggling and think less of me because I wasn't able to perform up to you know the standard of the class or the and especially the standards that I set for myself and that was really tough and I would encourage obviously anybody who feels this kind of school anxiety you know learning disability or not this is something that you could really not need to feel if you want to work on it with a mental health professional. I've been working on that kind of school anxiety with my therapist for years now and in therapy in combination with growing my confidence and my ability to advocate for myself and in combination with starting a medication for my ADHD, a lot of that school anxiety has for the most part dissipated or it's a lot lower and that is amazing to me. <laughs> you know, I don't feel as much anxiety when it comes to school now because I understand myself better and I understand the way I learn and I understand that even though the way I learn isn't the way that most people learn, I can still be successful. And understand here, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but when I say success in the context of this podcast, I'm never talking about a 4.0 or, you know, summa cum laude. I'm never talking about measurable objective success. I'm always talking about your personal confidence in feeling like you can consistently do your best and feeling good about that. You know, achieving excellent work-life balance, feeling confident in your ability to learn, your ability to be evaluated, your ability to just be a functional and happy college student. That is the success I'm talking about. GPA can go screw it, honestly. I did a whole podcast about that. I will link it below. Anyways, <laughs> all throughout middle school and high school and undergrad, knowing that I had a learning disability, I never really knew that there were accommodations that could be made for my learning experience that would actually help me. 
because the other students that I knew with learning disabilities, you know, or anxiety or, you know, dyslexia, whatever the case was, the only accommodations I really knew that they received were things like, you know, sitting towards the front of the classroom or getting to take tests in a separate room with extra time or things like that. And that has never really been an issue for me. I don't have test anxiety, even though I have school anxiety, very strange. I've always been a very confident test taker and I am smart. You know, I'm a very intelligent person. I'm good at learning. I'm good at retaining information. And so test anxiety or sitting more towards the front of the classroom, taking a test in a different room, none of those accommodations really would have done anything for me. And that was really frustrating to feel like you know, if the accommodations available aren't what I need, then obviously it's not my learning disability's fault that I'm failing, it's just my personal fault as a human. Which obviously was a really sucky way of thinking about it, and I feel bad for my younger self and the way she felt, because that's no fun to just feel like it's your fault that you're failing. The other, I guess, accessibility disability thing that I dealt with in mostly high school was that I did have a 504 plan or an IEP. Uh, I don't remember which it was that, you know, my parents set up with my teachers in middle school and that kind of like followed me to high school. And it was very frustrating to me that because I had this sort of mark or label or addendum onto me as a student, it never really felt like people acknowledged that I was smart. And this happened in little ways, like all of the freshmen who had IEPs or 504s at my high school had scheduled time in what we called the study skills center, where there was an English specialist and a math specialist, and you would sit and you could do your homework and ask questions. And it was just more of like a supervised academic performance kind of thing. And if you had tests, you could take tests in there. They had computers, so you could work on homework. And I think overall, this is a really positive idea that would benefit a lot of people and certainly did benefit a lot of people. But like I said before, I'm smart. I learn well, I retain information well, and a lot of the services that were offered in the Study Skills Center, again, were not what I needed. You know, the math specialist didn't really know what I was doing in my Honors Algebra 2 class because pretty much every other freshman in study skills was in pre-algebra or algebra one. And so I could never get the help with the math homework that I needed on the occasions when I did need help with math homework. I've always been a good writer, a good reader, a good speller. So the English specialist, you know, gave me a spelling test once just kind of assess, you know, my English abilities and I like aced it. I never really needed help with writing. I always understood what the assignments were asking for. I understood concepts like how to format a paragraph, uh, grammar. I've always been good at that stuff. And so, you know, being in study skills just felt really ostracizing to me because when my friends who didn't have documented learning disabilities would have free periods, I would have to go to study skills instead. And that wasn't very, and that wasn't very fun. I mean, it just felt very uncomfortable and ostracizing. And then I just felt like even more of a failure because I wasn't getting the help that I needed. So I just felt again, stupid that obviously it wasn't the learning disabilities fault because I had access to study skills and I was still not feeling confident and not feeling successful.
anyways, <laughs> done complaining about that, promise. The things I struggled with in middle school and high school continued through undergrad and I mean, in undergrad, I've told this story in the why I quit my RA job video. <laughs> my mental health pretty much tanked uh, my sophomore year, but through that, I started to really start to think about, well, how do I learn? How can I feel confident? And how can I set myself up for success in ways that matter to me? It wasn't until graduate school and being surrounded by, I think, the world's best cohort. I love my classmates, they're so positive and uplifting and awesome. And it wasn't really until graduate school and sort of fall, winter of my first semester that I started to think about what it could look like to access disability accommodations. And this was after months of <laughs> prompting and little seeds being planted by my therapist. This was amidst starting medication for my learning disability and also for my depression and anxiety. And through all of that, I finally decided that it was something that I wanted to do. And a conversation I had with my program director, Allison, was sort of one of the biggest deciding factors because I was talking to her about feeling overwhelmed and feeling stupid and about my learning disability and the fears that I had because I was really afraid that, you know, having documented need for accommodation and sending that to professors, I was afraid that professors wouldn't like it or they would be annoyed. And I told her those fears and she told me that it has been her experience that the vast majority of professors who receive accommodations letters from students and requests for accommodation from students are happy to oblige and happy to know that there's something that they can do to help their students to be successful. It was such a relief to hear her say that and I can honestly say that now using my accommodations and having access to accommodations, it has also been my experience that the majority, the vast majority of professors are definitely very positive about receiving accommodations letters and requests for accommodations and they're happy to do what they can. And I'll talk more about that in a bit. The way that I went about accessing accommodations was I sent an email to the Disability Resources Center at my school. Thankfully, it is called literally the Disability Resources Center. Um, some schools, especially like smaller private schools, have like weird names for some of these places. You know, buildings or offices named after important people who donated money and it can't, it's not always clear you know, who you should email or where to go for this. Um, so places, if you're not sure who to contact to set up disability accommodations or talk about your options, um, look at the syllabi for the classes you're in because most professors will add information about that in there or they're required to by the school. You can also talk to your professor or your academic advisor and they can point you in the right direction. Um, if you're living on campus, your RA might have information for you. There's lots of ways for you to find where to go, so don't let that stop you. So I sent an email to the Disability Resources main email and I introduced myself and said, you know, who am I? What college and program am I in within the university? 
and what I was hoping to do, which was talk about options for disability accommodations for ADHD. And I got an email back from the disability resources coordinator who works with the students in the public health programs. And he and I set up a meeting and we planned in this meeting to talk about me, my disability, my need for accommodations and to set up a game plan. And so before this meeting, I spent some time thinking about what am I actually struggling with the most and what would help me to feel confident and to feel successful. This is going to look different for every single person who has any type of disability or need for accommodation. Even within people who have ADHD, not every person with ADHD is going to need the same accommodations. And some accommodations, I would say, are going to be a little bit more obvious than others. For example, someone who's deaf is going to need captioning and transcripts or an interpreter or all of those things for accessing class materials and being able to participate. For me, thinking about, you know, what do I struggle with the most? Obviously, I struggle with deadlines. I struggle so much with deadlines, like I said. And so I was thinking about, well, what would help me to feel successful because I struggle with deadlines? And I started to think about maybe the concept of deadline grace or deadline flexibility would benefit me. You know, the ability to contact a professor either before handing in an assignment that I know is going to be late or after handing in an assignment or after a deadline has passed for a particular assignment that I haven't handed in yet and just being able to say, hey professor, this assignment is going to be late or is already late. I would like to set up a plan to hand it in so that I can receive credit. I was really nervous going into this meeting with the disability resources coordinator that I was meeting with because I wasn't actually so sure if that was something that I could ask for. And so the day of the meeting came and we set up a Zoom call and I introduced myself, told him about sort of my experience as a student, my learning disability, the things I was struggling with. And he in turn asked me some questions about my experience in the classroom, about experiences getting homework done, taking tests in out of classroom experiences like internships. And he also asked me if I had documented uh, like a doctor's note saying that I had indeed been diagnosed with my learning disability. Side note, I think requiring documentation like a doctor's note is very ableist and dumb because not every person who needs accommodations can afford to go to a specialist or multiple specialists and get the testing and the evaluations and the diagnosis and anyways it's an access thing, it's an ableist thing, but whatever. And so I do have a documentation saying that I have been diagnosed with a learning disability. And so I sent in that letter. Then he actually asked me what I thought would be best in terms of what accommodations I need. And I told him, I think that what would benefit me most would be some form of deadline flexibility. And he agreed with me and that was such a relief. And so we went about drafting a letter that says something to the effect of Natalie Nation is a student with a disability who requires accommodations in the form of deadline flexibility. The letter's a bit longer than that and goes into a little bit more detail, but that's the gist of it. And so after, you know, I read the final draft of the letter and we both approved it, I received a copy of it. And my next step after that was to send it to my professors 
which was terrifying. <laughs> like I said, I was really nervous that professors would be annoyed or irritated that I was sending them an accommodations letter. It was the middle of spring semester at that time, so I was also just nervous that like it would be dumb to send it in when there was only like a month and a half of class left. And I had to work around that anxiety and that sort of self-shame, self-blame, that fear, because it is not my fault that I did not have an accommodations letter before that particular point in time. And if I'd had the letter at the beginning of the semester, I would have sent it in then, but since I have it now, I should and could and did send it in then, you know, at the time that I had the letter. It has been so positive for me to have accommodations set up. I can't even begin to tell you. It has boosted my confidence by like a million to be able to actually hand in assignments you know, late or set up an alternative deadline schedule for assignments with professors who are willing to work with me for the most part. I will tell that story in a minute. Um, <laughs> and honestly, some professors I think have gone above and beyond, you know, them knowing that I struggle with deadlines and need deadline flexibility. Sometimes if I, you know, miss a Sunday night assignment deadline, I'll get a little email on Monday from a professor saying like, hey, Natalie, just a little nudge. We had an assignment due last night. I want you to have the chance to hand it in. And the first time I got an email like that, I like, I almost cried. It was so nice to finally feel like I could feel successful and feel confident. And it's been so awesome. So obviously the topic of disability, accessibility, inclusivity, equity in academia and higher ed is a big, big topic. And I would not be doing it justice if I attempted to address all of that today. And I don't even necessarily think that I would be doing it justice at all because outside of having a learning disability, I don't have a whole lot of other challenges that have made it difficult for me to succeed in academia. I'm a white, privileged, Christian, cisgender, mostly straight woman. Obviously, my contributions to the discussion on equity and accessibility in academia are valid. My experiences are valid, but I think it's very important to have a lot of diversity within these discussions. And I think it's also important to have a lot of intersectionality in these discussions. So hearing from people whose experiences are informed by their blackness and their disability or their transness and their disability. And so I would love to follow up on talking about disability and equity and access in academia by maybe doing some interviews with some guests. So if you have ideas for who you want me to talk to, let me know. I'm so open to it. But in the meantime, I think my thoughts on access and equity in academia are that there are some things that should just be universal and that students shouldn't need a letter and a doctor's note or even any kind of documented disability to have access to accommodations. And I'm talking about things like extra time on tests if needed and the ability to take a test in a separate quiet room if needed. I'm talking about captioning and transcripts being universal on all audio and video 
lecture materials and learning materials. I'm talking about doing PowerPoints on dark backgrounds with light font because that's not only good for people with vision challenges, but also it's just better for your eyes in general. I'm talking about trigger warnings being universal and students being able to opt out of or find alternatives for discussions on course topics that may be triggering for them. And most importantly, I'm talking about deadline flexibility for any student with extenuating circumstances, whether or not they have a documented need for accommodation. The bigger picture is that academia and school does not happen in a vacuum. You know, I'm a student, but I am also a wife. I'm a homeowner. I'm an employee. I have so many other things going on in my life outside of the fact that I am also a graduate student. Whether or not I have a learning disability, I think that it's important for all students to have access to flexibility when they need it, especially during a pandemic. And I'm so fired up about this particular topic right now because I had a professor very recently deny me accommodations, deny me my requests for accommodations and requests for deadline flexibility. And it was just so hurtful. So this professor, I had a few outstanding assignments in the class and I emailed them saying, hello professor, I have a few outstanding assignments in your class. Here's what they are. Here is my plan for completing them and handing them in. Attached is my accommodations letter. Remember, I have accommodations for deadline flexibility. I'm open to discussing alternatives with you. Thanks. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what I said. And I got an email back saying that he was not going to honor my request for accommodations for deadline flexibility and the reason he gave is out of respect for other students who you who access their accommodations in good faith so basically he was denying me accommodations and implying that i was not being honest or not using good integrity in trying to access the accommodations that I have a documented need for. Obviously, this, this was really hurtful to me. This was obviously very inappropriate of this professor to say to me. And I think if this had been a couple of years ago, it would have really knocked me down. But because I have done so much work on myself and so much work in building my self-efficacy and building my passion for advocating for access and you know building my confidence in myself it didn't knock me down it just made me mad and so i wrote an email to this professor this was i think a week and a couple of days ago now he still hasn't responded by the way and i wrote him an email to the effect of hello professor it was very offensive for you to tell me that i was not using my accommodations in good faith there are so many students who avoid accessing accommodations and avoid using their accommodations because they fear of they fear being accused of exactly what he accused me of and basically the effect of the email was you screwed up you ableist jerk do better i obviously said it more diplomatically than that but ugh, it's just so ugh. i'm still really fired up about this obviously but that is not going to stop me from continuing to use my accommodations when I need them because I am using my accommodations in good faith. You know, I'm doing my best with 
within my own abilities and also within my abilities in the context of the pandemic. Especially during the pandemic, I know that faculty at my university are being told that with whenever possible to extend grace and flexibility to students regarding deadlines because there's a pandemic going on and students aren't living in a vacuum. And so it's just like doubly weird that this professor was so rude about it to me, but I'm still deciding what other actions I want to take regarding following up about that. If I should forward our conversation on to someone higher up or whatever, but moral of the story is that professor was an ableist jerk who needs to do better and work on himself. I am a student with a learning disability who is always working on myself. I am always striving to do better. I am always, always going to be an advocate for other students and their needs in regards to what they need to be successful, confident, and healthy. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Feed That Nation. If you have, go ahead and leave me a comment below. Let me know what you think. Definitely go ahead and subscribe to me on YouTube. If you haven't already, go subscribe to me on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Throw me a thumbs up. Leave me a comment. Leave me a five-star rating and review. Give me all the interaction here, folks. It really helps me out. Definitely go follow me on Instagram. I am at Feed That Nation. I upload podcasts every Wednesday and I upload vlogs every Saturday. I can't wait for you guys to join the nation as I've decided you all, my community, are called. Welcome to the nation. Until next time, I'll see you soon.